0: Broadcasting From another dimension Deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest Sending you secrets from the future Directly into your motherfucking mind (laughs) Ha 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 that's right, everybody, it's episode 31 of the Go Shrimp and Friends podcast, and boy do I have a friend on this podcast today, uh, we got my man Ronald Wimberly, aka D-Pi, Um, You may know him from many of his projects, Uh, of course, uh, created the Gratuitous Ninjas, um, which uh, is still going on today, Uh, but that was started in school when we knew each other, when we met each other back at Pratt, um, working on the Static Fish together. I know we've talked a little bit about that on this podcast before. Um, I actually wrote the intro to his first self-released volume of Gratuitous Ninjas. I know I got that comic kicking around somewhere. Extremely exclusive. Um... And uh, he's gone on to work for uh, DC, Marvel, Vertigo. Um, did graphic novels of uh, sentences, the life of M.S. M.F. Grimm, uh, his own Prince of Cats, um, an official adaptation of Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, uh, and his his new uh, his new shit Black History in its own words. Um, that and Prince of Cats can be found from Image Comics right now. Uh, but this dude is. Working Worked on, you know, uh, all sorts of comic shit, fucking uh, She-Hulk, Spider-Man, X-Men, Swamp Thing, Papa Midnight, uh, fucking all sorts of shit over the years, um, you know, as you do in a very successful uh, career, Uh, you know, he's been out for... 16 17 years a couple years ahead of me so he's been doing it you know what i'm saying uh did a did i was watching uh everybody knows i'm a big basketball fan i was watching the the playoffs last year and uh fucking this uh animated spot comes on from nike uh of russell westbrook uh, winning the mvp um, this spot of, of him growing up and shit And I'm like, yo, that looks a lot like Ron's work I hit him up, yo, did you do this? Because I know he did, and boom, of course he did So he's just killing the game It's very inspiring to see one of my homies from school Just come out and cultivate uh, sustained success in his career So we get into that on this podcast, of course um, We get into some fucking real in-depth discussions here I fucking love it My man is always coming with the multi- multi-directional, heat-seeking thought process, Uh, you know when you're talking to Ron, um, you are fucking going down the rabbit hole, and I fucking love it. Um, And uh, I'm glad to be able to share that with everybody. uh let's see what else do i got going on this little intro uh just put up a new illustration finished finally finished the uh, album cover i've been working on uh, i guess i got about 20 days in total work on it i've been trying to do these projects a little bit faster um and uh i feel like that's a good amount of time for me about three weeks is kind of the ideal amount of time to crank out uh a piece that i am uh feeling very happy about so check that shit out um it's up on instagram i've been trying to post a lot more process pictures for people lately um because it's fun and also that's kind of how instagram works uh you know i noticed the more the more everyday life family photos i post the, the less people pay attention and then Turns out when you post pictures of your work a lot, people really like that. So I've been trying to focus more on uh, putting up little little progress snapshots on the Instagram. And I'm going to start to uh, give more early access of that stuff to the Patreon page for this very podcast, of course. The people that are supporting this podcast, I uh, want to give them as much perks as possible. So I'm going to start uh, posting that stuff first on there. So if you're interested in, if you love this podcast, if you listen to this podcast every week, jump up on patreoncom goshrimp and uh, peel off a buck or two per episode, get that early access, get the shout outs, uh, and uh, also start to get some advanced sneak peeks into my work process and uh as i promised i will be getting into some more process videos and things like that if people have been following me they notice that i will actually do the things that i'm talking about it just takes a really long time you know what i'm saying i think i had this microphone for about six or seven months before I started the podcast. So if you hear me talk about something, you might see that shit in like seven or eight months. You know what I'm saying? But uh, let's see. Uh, we got, oh, very exciting. We got three new uh, patrons uh, this week. Um, so very happy about that. As you know, our goal is to uh, get a 100 patrons by the end of this year i'm trying to multitask here pull up the patreon page um let me see where are we at we're trying to get a hundred patrons by the end of the year that's the goal for the podcast and uh, we are on track um with uh i think we got we're up to about 33 Patrons now, which is amazing, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think we're about 16 episodes deep since we started the Patreon. So very happy with that. If we can continue to get two patrons a week, we will hit that mark. So uh like I said, if you dig this podcast, think about a little support, you know what I'm saying? Because that's how we do it, and always as always. Don't just support my shit. You know what I'm saying, go on the internet and support all your favorite artists. You know, I Ron has a, had a Kickstarter recently. You know I was up on that. I support my homie Jesse Moynihan's Patreon page, uh, the homie Andy Restino's Patreon page. Uh, my favorite podcast, Last Podcast on the Left. I'm definitely a supporter of their shit. So um, you know, get out there and and use these uh, these these forms of social media to create a more artist-driven economic model you know this could really free uh your favorite artists up to work on the projects that they want to work on which is uh you know definitely some of the some of the stuff that me and ron get into in this podcast talking about mainstream projects versus um you know personal projects and all that shit so If you want to see your artists do the art that they really want to do, get up on there and show them some support. You know what I'm saying? That's the name of the game so, uh let's see who are these three new patrons getting these juicy beef stew shout outs up front on the podcast our Our list is of course, our list of patrons is growing so long that we've we've migrated the shout outs the beef stew shout outs to the back end of the podcast um but uh if you sign up, you always get your first. Shout out. Your first serving from the beef stew buffet always comes up front on the podcast. So a uh, big beef stew shout out to my man, Alec Wright. Wait, wait, wait. Let's do that right. Big beef stew shout out to my man, Alec Wright. Could Alec be uh, a, a relative of Shambay Wright, another supporter of this podcast? Only the internet knows for sure. Uh, big shout out. Oh, look who it is. Big shout out to my man, Uncle Terry, who I just completed, uh, that album cover for. So big shout out to Uncle Terry, uh, for, uh, giving me a super dope job to work on. Um, that was a really fun album cover to do for his upcoming album, Sun Blew Out. Um, uh, you can check it out as we said on the, on the website and on the social media um uh, and uh let's see we got one more coming straight out the 12 week online group workshop we've got my man Alejandro Fuentes Love it to see the friends and uh, and 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 workshoppers and Go Scouts and everybody supporting the podcast. That's so fucking cool. Um, I'm trying to make something that is inspirational to everybody out there, so it's very cool to uh, have people getting up here and showing the support, showing the love, keeping it strong, and keeping this as a viable thing to spend my time doing. Because there's truly nothing more that I look forward to now during the week than jumping on the podcast with one of my super creative friends and getting into an inspirational talk that I know is going to go out there and create uh, good vibes in the world, you know what I'm saying, and and getting people into the mode of truly Saying, what are my goals? Um, What is my plan here? And uh, how can I set out to achieve these goals? You know, the things that we get into on this podcast, because we truly want everybody out there to be, to feel empowered and to feel confident and to feel self assured to go out there and have the confidence that it takes to do your own thing, to create your own reality for yourself. That is that is I know what me and Ron have done and that's what we want that's what we want you to do you know what I'm saying we want you to get into that dive into the fucking deep end on this shit um, so I think that's about it for this intro duck Shion. Um, we got uh, of course we got some more info on the back end but right now let's kick it over to my man a wall one <laughs> Broadcasting live from another dimension. Broadcasting live from another dimension. Broadcasting live from another dimension. Go shrimp. Go shrimp. All right, here we are once again with a very special guest, an illustrious guest, one of my favorite people in the world, none other than Ron Wimberley, aka D-Pi. What up, what up?
1: Oh, man, it's too, too sweet, too sweet. What's happening, man?
0: <laughs> Chilling, man. Yeah, I get up, I get, this podcast is just that I get my friends on here and sing their praises for an hour. That's, that's the <laughs> format. Therapy, right? <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. So, uh how's it in uh, Brooklyn down there getting sloppy yet?
1: Yeah, man, no, not not at all. It's still cold and tight, you know what I mean? Is it really? From, yeah, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's starting to melt up here. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know, man. The weather is so the weather is so strange, right? Yeah. You know, the climate is warming, but the weather is completely unpredictable.
0: Right, right, right. Definitely. Yeah. No, the, that's the funny thing about it is it does it doesn't go in one direction or another. It'll be like you know run a super cold we'll have a run of negative 20 up here wow. and then like a few weeks later it'll be 60 degrees it's like crazy <laughs> man yeah we I still guess got... it's
1: the... yeah yeah go it's the ocean right like the ocean is uh is uh temperature is changing and shit and that's why the weather is acting or the right cold, right the, right the
0: yeah yeah that does have a lot to do with it we live on a very wet planet yeah um, so we are friends and, uh, we met in Brooklyn, uh, circa probably 99 or 2000. I can't remember exactly. Do you have a clear memory of when we first would have been introduced
1: to each other or met?
0: Man, I want to
1: say 99. Cause like I had been at Pratt for two years at that point mm-hmm. and I feel like I knew you for a good while. And like, I don't, I'm wondering if we kind of met in pasal class or did we meet in the static fish because i I know Static fish i didn't start until maybe my last year like i wasn't yeah
0: yeah i feel like we met in i feel like i feel like i remember seeing you for the first time in the static fish office but i could be wrong because i would have been a freshman in 99 and then i would have I would have. Uh, I think I start. I think I walked into the Static Fish off office in sophomore year. So that would have ran around two thousand.
1: Wow. So it probably was like yeah. So if we met in ninety nine, you were a freshman, crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, and no. I didn't realize that, but that was something that we discovered when we were hanging out in in Brooklyn uh, this past year or whatever when we were doing our little talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right.
0: Which was funny, because I hadn't been back in a long time, and then we came back, and uh, I talked a little bit about it on the podcast. That was when the podcast was just starting out, and uh, and we had fun doing a little panel on uh, comics, really. I mean, I didn't have much business talking about it, but you did, and, and we had fun. It was moderated. Promise, man. <laughs> I'm I'm com- I'm coming back around. I'm going to be back up in there.
1: People uh, who have done less have said more. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I have had
0: two comics published, technically, so um <laughs> uh, but yeah moderated by one of our favorite professors Floyd Hughes yes and uh and that was a fun little reunion and so yes yeah, ben like but we've known each other for 17 18 years something like that which sounds insane yeah
1: well, you know, that's what happens if you stay alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is very true. Uh, so what are your memories of the static fish? That's of course where you where your gratuitous ninjas, your world famous gratuitous ninjas comic started. Me and Joe talked about it a little bit. Joe Como was on a couple episodes back and uh and, and we dabbled in the static fish a bit, but what are your memories of that that time?
1: Man, that was a man,
0: those were the
1: days <laughs> <laughs> that was fun that was crazy cuz like um i remember seeing little flyers for the static fish like uh you know walking down the hallway towards the uh cafeteria and seeing it advertised like oh you want to join the static fish like meetings this, that and the third and i felt like kind of back then the way i feel now which is like more meetings like more sort of like you know some other sort of club thing that i have to be beholden to i was like nah i'm good right um also kind of a little bit of trepidation because like well you know i've never made comics like that seems really fucking hard you know like oh okay one illustration is hard enough but you're asking me to do like multiple in sequence sometimes multiple on a page you know like nah it just sounds like way too much work like i'm about to fail out of school as it is like why would i, why would I like why would i give myself more work like so I never got into it until like later in school, you know, where it's like, okay, um, our direction is not what I want to do. Really. I don't want to do advertising. Uh, editorial work is kind of, I don't know. I was already kind of feeling tight about editorial work. It seems like, uh, every class assignment, we'd get some newspaper article and then someone would come up with some really contrived bad joke. And then like, you know, the professor would be like, oh yeah, that's a great, oh, that's great. Like, uh, you know, a cigar. You know, like uh, You know, Bill Clinton, and like a cigar, and like you know the worst solutions. And I'm just like, if, <laughs> if this is what editorial illustration or political cartooning is like, you know, I need to get the I need to get up out of here. Yeah. I started to think about comics again, which I hadn't really uh, pursued as an art form, or even like even as a hobby. I hadn't really gotten a lot of comics. Um, since maybe the end of high school mm. and then, yeah, I just, um, I think Floyd's class probably set it off. And then from there I just joined the static fish.
0: Wow. That's, know? that's funny. I didn't realize that I would have figured that you had already been doing comics. Cause I was, I remember definitely being, uh struck by the how how cool the pages you were doing and also how you'd like come in and you'd be like yo i just watched this movie last night and then that made me like go in again on my inks and like you know you just were like it struck me how inspired you were getting by things and then turning that right back into like the work ethic and going back in on your work and like pumping it up and i was like i was like yo this dude like this dude knows what he's doing this is this is cool
1: Yeah, I just had the energy, man. Like, I think maybe part of that was that it was so new. Well, not new to me, but, like, you know, I had had a weird introduction to comics. Like, I don't want to say weird, man. I want to believe that a lot of people had a similar introduction, just like we don't really get that narrative too often. But my buddy had, my buddy John David Carling, shout out to John David out in Florida, like, he put me on to comics. He had a bunch of superhero joints. And then, like, his mom took us to a little, you know, suburban comic store or whatever. And, like, I, I always, you know, I had been in the anime. We were both in the anime. And so, like, we were kind of in the manga. The manga was there. We st- I started flipping through the manga, started picking up more manga. And then I also started to see in close proximity to that was, like, some of the indie, indie stuff. So, like, I picked up Batman vs. Grendel. I picked up uh, early issue of Non. Like, Non was a, a little comic anthology magazine. Uh, put together by Jordan Crane, and that's when I first discovered um, slow jams by uh, David Cho. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like that was um, that was like a, a real, like that really that really pulled me into comics. Like just as I was maybe like a senior in high school. Mm. I mean, and um, I had experienced the superhero stuff yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, like one of the greatest best selling superhero comics of all time came out when we were in you know high school junior high like that new x-men shit like the x-men shit yeah with the the connecting
0: covers and all that shit yeah yeah all that shit i definitely have all that stuff somewhere still like x-force number one sealed with the deadpool card (laughs) inside and shit i got that for sure yeah
1: you know like for sure I, i mean the statistic statistically you're more likely to have that comic than any other comic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It
0: was not the collector's item that we were told it would be.
1: It's a collector's item in the sense that it is the most collected item. (laughs) It's a collected item. Right. That's hilarious.
0: So,
1: yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, from there, like, college, you know, happened. I, I stopped really, you know, pursuing comics. I felt like, uh freshman year of drawing comics kind of just got beaten out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> I know some people had a sort of um antagonistic uh relationship with professors regarding like you know their drawing styles and the influence of comics and, you know, manga and anime. But like for me I could say it was antagonistic, but it was just like also that was the place for me to learn what sort of the um what the standard was right like to learn what the other shit was right like the the school for manga and anime and like comics you know manga and anime even from what i understand uh as an aesthetic is one you know it's like it's it's largely autodidactic right like I don't know if there are people who are going to school to learn how to draw manga. Like the comics are our school. Right. Right. So um, I think I had that ability and I had that school always readily available to me. You know, whatever I could beg, borrow or steal, I could find comics, you know, to learn how to draw comics. I could watch anime to learn like the nuances of that aesthetic and just repeat it and observe it and repeat it. But when it came to sort of like being initiated in the more like, Obscure history of mark making and thinking about drawing and drawing the body and like the more antique way of uh, representing a body. Like art school gave me gave me that and challenged me to do that, you know. Yeah. And that's what was and that's why I was there. So I never really, you know, I never was really mad at like kind of you know Charles Goslin. I remember this one time he saw me draw and he was like, "Oh, it looks like a masked marble. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I definitely did draw this sort of like twenty something, you know, uh, model who's just really, you know, art uh, school dropout himself with like a mediocre body who's just making a little extra money on the side modeling at the art school. I definitely made him into like Captain America. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I
1: was like, I need to, I need to scale this back a little bit and like actually look at the model, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so well that's cool yeah
0: there's no doubt that going through that foundation process is super crucial to just getting your fundamentals down and like i feel like i learned a ton during that period i don't feel like i had like a lot of real technical chops and like i was just starting to like dabble with the kind of drawings i wanted to do like towards the end of high school and it was definitely heavily influenced by like slave labor graphics stuff and like jim ma food comics and shit like that that was the kind of stuff that i was getting into at that time as far as like alternative comics goes obviously came out of like the x-force x-men and then i definitely knew about alternative comics because my uncle steve laffler was like doing he did dog boy with fantagraphics in the 80s and stuff so i was always aware that there were these weird adult comics but then i started to get into like the Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and Squee and stuff like that. When I, I remember, I remember very, very clearly when I like really discovered that stuff as this as this alternative to the superhero stuff. I remember I got a couple issues of Squee by Joan and Vasquez or whatever and uh and and i mean now when i look back at this stuff it doesn't really capture my imagination anymore but it did perfectly at the time and like i remember buying a couple issues and then looking at them in the car and being like mom turn the car around i gotta go back and buy more of these comics like right now (laughs) like i was like so struck by it and i think that really was one of the things that inspired me to get those type of comics uh definitely inspired me to like not, not so much do my own comics at that time, but just like start having a a personal voice in my illustrations, like a strong personal voice. Also, I think like Echo Clothing and stuff. They had a lot of really cool illustrators and things. And I think I was I think that was a definite influence on where I was coming from as well at that time. I
1: feel like Echo Echo and like, you know, it I don't think thank God this store doesn't ex- this store went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Just not Echo, but what I'm about to say is Yellow Rat Bastard, right? Just off the strength of the name, yeah. I'm glad that's not, it still doesn't exist, but I felt like streetwear, like Echo, and like all the brands that used to be, at, uh, you know, YRB, let's call it, right. Um, used to it was like the Tumblr of the age. Yeah, you know no
0: I mean? doubt, dude. I used to shop there all the time. And that was like a big reason I wanted to go to Brooklyn is to be able to have access to those clothes. We did not have those clothes in New Hampshire. I'll tell you that.
1: Word, word, word. But it's like with so much illustration.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, it felt. Yeah, it felt so connected in with the with all the dope hip hop that had been coming out. You know, all the explosion of Wu Tang and Biggie and Nas mm-hmm. and all that that great '90s era. And then all the comics that were coming out at the time. And then the clothing was fitting into that it was actually really cool
1: yeah 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 you know now it's like you have that same sort of visual culture explosion on like instagram or tumblr you know yeah, what i mean but yeah. like, it's funny because um as it yeah as things have progressed it's like you know as capitalism has progressed right as time has progressed like now all of that visual culture is complete and the labor that's attached to that culture is completely detached from You know, say the like the exchange of capital for it. So like, you you see Instagram, you see the shit on Instagram, you get it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get it for free. You generate it, or you trade on it, or like I should rather I should say Instagram trades on your eyes looking at it, yeah, and it sells like it sells like your eyes and your attention to uh, advertisers, and now like so the labor where at one point it was like, okay, well, if you were super lucky, you can make some sort of a commodity with your with your art and then sell it and get maybe a little bit of change. Now it's like cats are doing that whole thing for free in the hopes that one day they'll get there. And in the meantime, like you have tech, you know, you know, scraping in ad revenue by just presenting the work done for free and shown for free on their platform, you know, yeah. it's buff
0: yeah yeah no, it's it's so interesting how it's like when when all the when all the free sharing started out all the companies couldn't figure out how to monetize it but now this new wave is like everybody figured out how to monetize it and you know now we're just back to where we were it's super interesting how the economy just corrects it finds it always finds a way to keep itself
1: alive yeah man
0: yeah yep it's very interesting, but yeah, all driven by artists, really. You know, I mean, it's—I think it's always kind of driven forward by artists, and then people have to kind of scramble to figure out how. I always think about that, too, how, you know, how, how, like, for instance, like, you know, Mobius as a science fiction artist, you know, comes up with all these amazing concepts for movies and stuff back in the 80s, and then that all manifests in, like, the real technology that gets made 20, 30, 40 years later. Uh, it's such an interesting concept, how one leapfrogs the other, you know, the, art, the artist is inspired by culture, and then the culture is inspired by the artist, and then the capitalism weaves its way in there like is I mean it, it's
1: interesting man like that's a philosophical question right that I think about all the time man like to just break it down real yeah. real 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 break it down right yeah. which is like the notion of like yo so um does the material does does like the ideology or the idea spring from the material or vice versa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's interesting to think about that man because like I say in, in this age, in the age of technology, where technology is uh, progressing so fast to the point where, like, sometimes you could imagine something and then it could be made. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be like a strict materialist. You know what I mean? Because like at a certain point, you start to look around. And you're like, wow, okay, so you know they 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 made a movie or they made a TV show where people were using cell phones, and then cell phones came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, like. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the Dick Tracy watches are here and all that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and really, when you look at the Dick Tracy watches, like you know, uh, no offense to Julian, I'm just like, yo, this is a useless, this is a useless piece of technology.
0: <laughs> oh, our friend Julian, who's like a yeah, super, yeah. He,
1: he got like the Google Glass when they came out. Yeah. He's all about the tech all about it and yeah like i'm like i'm looking at that watch i'm like yo, i don't need that watch man yeah like,
0: yeah yeah <laughs> hey you're talking to, you're talking to the guy who gave up his cell phone back in la you know how many seven eight <laughs> nine years ago so i'm with you i like to have the minimum amount of technology that you know can serve my purpose but not doesn't tip over to the level of like distraction or like be its own self-fulfilling thing
1: word man like i mean you know i i am a i believe in technology i'm like hyper super into technology but yeah. i just have to feel that like the organic is the most advanced technology yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt there's no doubt
0: about it there's no doubt about it man that's that's the way i mean that's why i'm living in the woods the fully organic technology
1: <laughs> that would like pause yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, one of the things that I want that I thought might be interesting to hear your take on is, you know, like I said, from the beginning, I was really struck by your work ethic. And, and that's one of the things that I think that's probably the single most important thing to everything that I've been able to do is just really built on work ethic and being super motivated and really having no plan B and and just going out and really creating your own reality as a visual artist, because like we came out, and you know, uh I guess you you came out of school maybe a year before I did. What what year did you leave Pratt? Uh, oh, oh one, I think. Okay, yeah. oh one. Okay, so two years two years earlier. But you know, we're we're you know, I think of us as coming out around the same time, and and you know, really as uh, you know, all the people that we went to school with you know I was always just getting super inspired by seeing you just getting out and just going after it and being like damn look at what Ron's doing I gotta I gotta be on my shit and you know always a lot of derived a lot of inspiration from your work ethic and just how you were out there uh, following your vision and 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 your voice as an artist and the projects you pick and stuff and you know what are your thoughts on like work ethic and and how it's played a part in your career so far?
1: Oh, man. Like, I just read something earlier today. What was it? It was, like, one of the things I read first thing in the morning, and now I can't remember what it was. But it was someone talking about, like, yeah, you just got to – like, in order for things to happen, you just got to work. Yeah. Like, if you just keep working, things will happen. You know what I mean? Like, And the work itself is sort of, like, it has its own merit. And, I mean, I think that's the role – that the work has played for me in my life. And I have to constantly remind myself of, um, what of my life. It hinges at this point, you know, all things considered, when I'm fed and I'm healthy, the value of my life sort of hinges on me remembering or. Uh, finding the joy in the work so yeah. like the work itself being a sort of pursuit of something yeah. that is fulfilling yeah. and like in that i have to remind myself all the time because when i start to when the work simply becomes a sort of like a labor to uh produce uh a commodity that i can trade on and then like have a little bit of bread so i could eat and drink and then living becomes about like uh spending that capital to like put myself into a state of like medic medicate my state of unhappiness right <laughs> like, right guys always trying to remember like no you know drawing drawing is the thing that like it saved you you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. when you were coming up like you didn't have toys or you didn't have you know money you didn't yeah. have entertainment like drawing was that thing that saved you and it's like it's important for me to remember my art and it's not always drawing like sometimes it's other things too right right. like these sort of existential pursuits and like how and how they make my life worth living and i think that um having that one of the fruits of that is like you know a healthy you know like it's it's kind of like if the field if the if the if the field is healthy like if all the little bugs and shit in the field are healthy then like the, then the soil is healthy right like it's going to yeah. produce it's going to produce like great vegetables and shit but like if there's no like if the soil isn't healthy like if the little the little uh things that break down and create the 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 earth aren't healthy then like the, you'll, you won't be able to grow anything from it yeah. like all of these commodities that you see like So the commodities that bloom and like get harvested and then like by the time they get to you know the viewer the listener like they're already dead and like a few a few things removed from my drawing table like if what's happening at my drawing table isn't healthy um and in my own life isn't healthy it's less likely that i don't know the works are gonna be you know as a kid say lit yeah (laughs) (laughs) like I know that um I know that's how that's my truth. Yeah. I think it's a bunch of, you know, stuff that's like really manufactured. It's like American cheese. Like it's manufactured to like get you get you amped. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. has that same relationship that I have with my work. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know. do you ever feel like uh, you know, what what is like the balance that you have to strike in your life with your work? I mean you you I mean you're 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 still at the stage where you're like, you know I mean you have relationships or whatever but you don't have no kids yet so you haven't you haven't come across that that uh you know that that stage yet but uh but like what what is the what is the like what what kind of balance do you need to strike in your life so that it's not do you ever find like that you're working so much that it's negative for you
1: Yeah I have to say I haven't mastered balance yet yeah. you know what I mean Um it it can often be negative so like uh it's just a matter of the way I work at this point is, is still, and I'm trying to get to a point where I'm past that, but I still work in a way, like, that I may never, every work that I put out may be my last work. Yeah. That's how I look at it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I haven't begun planning. I'm not like you, where it's like, I feel you had an idea of, you know, what, of the future. You know what I mean? And building for the future from yeah. the beginning and, like your life as an artwork, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for me, it was kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I definitely have a sense of urgency because it's like, I feel like with my voice um and, you know, there's some conceit to what I'm about to say, but like with my voice, like there isn't a voice like it. You know what I mean? Like, um I can't do, I can't work for like a Marvel or whatever because it's just like at the end of the day or not too much, you know what I mean? Outside of just making bread, you know, I can't do it because it's like, I actually have something to say, you right? Know what I, mean? like, um, I feel like I can't slow down because like, I, I just feel like there aren't enough people who are trying to explore and push, you know, the ideas in the way that I am. I feel like if I was part of a squad, I'm starting to feel it now, man. Like, you know, I had this uh, homie, Fred Carrasco over um, at the crib over the weekend and I'm going to be interviewing Richie Pope after I get off the phone with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I see cats that are out there doing the work, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's, um, it's, uh, and that's maybe giving me less of a sense of urgency. Like I'm 38 now. It's like, damn, I made it this far. Like maybe I should really start to plan about the future and think about plants and all of that, you know, um, I honestly wonder like you know like damn man like a partnership maybe you could help with balance you know but i've just never been able to uh build that you know what i mean so like um i don't know like i don't think i really have balance man like my mm. shit is uh you know it's like wow it's like it's been a um it's been like that road flare is still going though
0: yeah 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 yeah. no and and you you uh and and like what's your work schedule like you often will work late into the night and stuff too right
1: yeah man i get up and like but here's the thing like there's a good there's a good amount of uh hedonism involved too like so i'll yeah i'll have that sort of and like i feel the work is a type of hedonism right like the work indulging and pushing yourself really that far to kind of like get something done you know either uh at at the edge right yeah Uh, it's similar to just being like yo well i'm gonna get up today and like um i'm gonna go look out the window i'm gonna like indulge in my senses you know what i mean like and then you know see whatever phone call come up and be like you know what nah this is my fucking time like i'm not gonna answer whatever phone call they're gonna have to wait (laughs) yeah you know and then on the other end of that is the sort of like well okay Today is just about the ideas, you know, I got my food set aside, I'm going to eat, you know, when, you know, in brief intervals, and I'm just going to pursue this work. Yeah. Like, I don't have that sort of, you know, um, the routine of just like, I have a little bit of a routine uh, regarding like breakfast, yeah. but for the most part, um, it's it's seasonal, it's closer to what... I feel how like a bear lives, you know what I mean, where it's like okay i and this this is the season for work, this is the season for decadence, this is the season for like <laughs> you know uh for um austerity, you know what I mean it's not so much like this uh daily routine yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean? and when and it's like it's like the locust like the locust. Like reproduces and becomes a different creature in a time of abundance. Right. You know what
2: I mean? Right. Just I so like,
1: interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's my that's more like my life than sort of like you know this daily routine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I've always been super schedule oriented, even since college. Like I would get up at whatever six a.m. every day, and and I was never really much of a night owl. But uh, but yeah, that's my biggest struggle <laughs> is is always always have been such a work oriented person then having a family and having to switch gears like that's my biggest struggle is just turning mm-hmm. off the work switch like there's a part of me that always wants to like finish what i'm doing so i can sit back down and draw like it's so mm-hmm. ingrained after so long doing that that that's like that's my biggest personal challenge is just like tuning it out and just just wholeheartedly enjoying obviously i love my fam and i'm with i spent a lot of time with them but just getting rid of that anxiousness to come back and get to work you know what I'm saying
1: man like I'm afraid for me yeah absolutely I'm afraid for me just like or not afraid but like if I'm if I'm speculating I'm like you know I feel I'm just as likely to sort of you know if I had a family I feel like I could be a bad parent in the sense that like oh like on not like what you're doing is bad but meaning like I would just want to do the work yeah or I might just stop making work. Yeah. Like, I can't call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the family might become the work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And if that happens, it's like, yo, you just don't let me fuck around and have a family because then, like, y'all just won't see me no more. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm going to do with that family what, like, I've been doing with my work, which is like, unless I somehow find some sort of a, you know, a practical, um, organic balance where the work becomes and the family become both. Like, right. I don't see how, you know, someone like Miyazaki, you know, like, I think about Miyazaki, right? Like, oh, I
0: think about this all the time.
1: <laughs> right? So, yeah, you know, I was going to say where the family produces uh, the, like, there has a product. That is the work that we can consume. But fa- but truth be told, we know what happened with Miyazaki's family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, it's not, it's not a. It 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 didn't produce like the the. His family's material life didn't produce that art. Yeah. Like he just made the art. Yeah. And the family be damned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm
0: always trying to be really cognizant of that. You know, is is that that be that that kind of almost thinking of in my twisted work uh workaholic mind thinking of my family as my grandest project and then mm-hmm. being able to just think about it that way you know is 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 my trick on how to key into it
1: mm.
0: yeah. yeah um what do you think your dream life is what like if if you could just have complete control if you were the god of your own world what would your like what would your dream life be like what's the best uh, what's the best outcome like just like you wake up in your dream life right now? what is
1: that yeah, probably yo i would be um in an in the abstract, I would be fulfilled uh like um sensually and like with my work work life and the output of my work life mm-hmm. but if I were to get into details like how I imagine it, it's like yo I would wanna do something like something like in between like what miyazaki does like if i could be like a miyazaki who's like okay yeah i'm working on this film this year then on the off season i'm gonna like make this comic you know what i mean yeah yeah. (laughs) you know what i mean like making things at that scale you know what i mean and being able to look back and be like wow except like what miyazaki is doing but like i would also maybe for a little while i'd be like yo i'd have the i'd have the um ability to make a game that kind of like you know so critically thinking like okay well how do i put these concepts these aesthetics into a game you know i mean like the high concept of it man and like having that type of creative fulfillment and then like having a you know a a um an emotional a sex life a familial life that sort of balances that and then like i come out of that and i'm just like eating good with like you know someone who i really you know you know, care to kick it with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's like how I would imagine it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where we have just abundance in all portions of our life and just like, you know, really being able to enjoy like the the sensual aspects of life while also creating like, you know, things that are helping move our world into a direction that isn't like, you know, destruction. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and would you still be
1: in NYC? Um... You know, like, I wouldn't say, like, I would still be in NYC as much as, like, I would want wherever I am. And if that, you know, doesn't have to be one place, but wherever I am, I would want it to be just, like, a fulfilling place. Like, I'm in New York because right now for the life that I live, which is, um, as, like, a solo agent, uh, New York is the best option for me. Like, my, my family's kind of split around, you know what I mean? Like, I have family still in um, Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see them all the time. Like, um, the DMV is not a nourishing place for me. For y'all that are square to it, like, D.C., Maryland, Virginia um, is not a place that I found particularly nourishing to me when I visit. Mm-hmm. At least given the way that I could be in that space right now. So, like, uh, New York is more that place, like, um, the other places that I've been. And I'm not a tourist, man. Like, I'm not, you know, on your Tinder profile, I like to travel. I'm not I'm not sure I actually even like to travel. I just, like, my life takes me places. And then Yeah, because you
0: have traveled quite a bit. Like, your papa, you're like, yo, I'm in France. I'm over here. I'm over there. Like, you've been to France multiple times for
1: stuff, right? Exactly. But, yeah. like, that's the thing. I'm going there for multiple times. Like, I'm not... It's not like the novelty of being in a new place even, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, life took me there and, you know, there are things that I found there that I, that I was like engaged with and brought me back there multiple times. Like the world is a marvelous place. Like I'm just, you know, in a, in our reality where like we're, we're, we're constantly bombarded with pictures and, you know, video of places abroad and like the world you go into a museum and you see these artifacts that have been robbed from all over the world and you're like wow the world is crazy like it's a big place like there's history everywhere and when I do travel I'm just like you know I'm gobsmacked by like the amount of you know beauty in the world however (laughs) um I don't necessarily believe that there's inherent merit in traveling and I also know that like um, because of the way because of the world that I'm from which is like a consumer capitalist world like when I travel to other parts of the world there's a trade off and it's very selfish to believe that I can just like jump into somebody else's place and not bring sort of like the um sort of like the uh, collateral damage of coming in contact with like an advanced capitalist society <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. and you see it you know like people say like, Oh yeah, like I love to travel. Like I've been going to such and such place. And then like two years later, like a a, a vibrant fishing community is just like a place where people are asking a brave white girl's hair. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like yeah. I'm like I'm 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 very cognizant of that. You know and like and I can't say I actually love to travel. Like sometimes the act of traveling is really stressful to me. You know what yeah, I mean? But like yeah. I find myself in a place and like I see beauty wherever I go, man. And like sometimes Going someplace else really does uh, shed a light on, you know, where I've come from. Yeah. And that is like a priceless experience. At the same time, I know a lot of people travel and really don't open their eyes to see past their own sort of like bubble. So it's like traveling isn't necessarily even an illuminating thing for all people. Like truth be told, a lot of people travel and they just, you know, they take whatever world they have with them right, <laughs> yeah.
0: right right they're like yo where's a mcdonald's here you guys got mcdonald's here? Like, yes we, yes, we do we definitely do you know,
1: it's like yeah let me get on this airplane to travel like however far to essentially do the same thing i could have done by like going to the museum where i live exactly. or like you know or, like you know going to whatever you know international corporate you know um commodity like get my little coffee and like my little cocktails oh yeah let me go all the way to you know some Caribbean paradise just to like you know go out and look at the ocean it's like yo you got the ocean where you at they're like what's wrong with the ocean where you at oh it's got trash in it yo think about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about why you know before you go someplace else and throw trash in their ocean you know
0: yeah yo did you go over to that uh super chief juxtaposed gallery show
1: uh, I didn't go yet man Oh, word. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I want to go, like, I want to support the homie. Like, at the end of the day, juxtapose is so big. Like, it doesn't matter if I go or not. And, like, I'm not, you know, I don't really care about fucking juxtapose, man. Like, you know, it's not really my type of thing, you know. Uh-huh. So, uh, I I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not trying to be. Yo,
0: one of my favorite things about about you is just how anti-everything you are. Because I'm a contrarian, too. And, like, that's one of my favorite things all time about you is just how you're like, you're like, yo, that's not really my shit. I don't really fuck with that. I love it, man. Yeah, you
1: know, like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not really what makes me, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's difficult. For one, like, a really, you know, sort of group show like that could be a little, you know, it's kind of like... I, it's like sensory overload for me um it's just like a bunch of aesthetics mashed together yeah, yeah um you may find something that really touches you and it's more of a party aspect to it um I'm not really into uh aesthetics for aesthetics' sake like um kind of what I tend to see uh in this sort of work is a reproduction of the political. Life of the Creator or like whatever pastiche that they're they're working in, and so, in the case of like a lot of juxtaposed work, where there isn't sort of like a a cognizance of you know what the 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 function the political function of the aesthetics, you have people just really reproducing like consumer capitalism or like whatever fucking cartoon that they were really into that they ate like you know so ultimately they're just making this flat aesthetic and like the purpose of that flat aesthetic. Is to engage or to be a product in the art market which means that ultimately the work is consumer capitalist art and like I actually don't have much interest in that (laughs) you know what I mean so like um not to shit on everybody but like, you know I'm sure there's a lot of artwork there that's not like that but for me it's um it's so part and parcel with the culture that is IG and like you know sort of just these images that you're looking at real quick. I just as well look at it at on IG from like my apartment and go see it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I really I don't really, you know, I don't really care to see it, but it's really one love. Um like yo, Ed makes a great environment every time. Like Ed is really doing some punk shit. Like I love to go there when I have the energy to go there, right? And I actually think the environment is more important than the art that's on the walls. You yeah. Know what I mean? no, that's
0: what I was really impressed with about super chief. Cause we went and checked it out when I was visiting you for that Pratt talk. And you had, that was the kind of final days of the solo show that you did there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was just really impressed at how much of like kind of a cultural uh, gathering place he'd been able to create that. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yo, that's what it is, man. Like, I think that's the brilliant thing about what Ed's done is like, he's made this little community and like, I'm into that. Like, I think, you know, when I have a little extra time, you know, because I am working on this newspaper and working on Sunset Park like every day, you know, I picked up a a couple other small jobs that I'm working on, too. Um, When these kind of get off of my plate, I definitely want to go down there. But really just to hang out with the kids, man. Like, I I don't really care. Like, I'm actually a little bit wary about the people that juxtapose may uh attract to the mm, space
0: yeah you know? like too much of a hip too much of a
1: hipster vibe i don't want to be around those people yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah like, like uh i just rather be around you know adding those kids man like i really you know like the cats who come and they stay like they seem to be cool people you know or like they're just interesting people and like they're you know they're New Yorkers, man. Like and it's and it's good that they're not necessarily scenesters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I sent a
0: couple of pieces down there. Did you have stuff in that show?
1: Uh yeah, Ed put some pieces that I did for um uh like I did is almost just like test pieces for uh Saul Wood for the Saul Williams project I was working on, uh-huh. uh, Martyr, Loser King, and like and that was another thing too. I was like, okay, well. I mean that work is important within the um within the context of Saul's greater work, you know what I mean? But like taken outside of that context, that work is doesn't really mean anything. Like it's not really indic like it's selfless work. Like yeah. it's not indicative of me of like my style or any sort of concept that you could draw from just looking at the work you know like that's not the context that the work was created in so like i honestly um in a weird sort of way the curation of that work is destructive of the work (laughs) in that setting you know what i mean in the juxtaposed setting Mm -hmm. so like i wasn't really amped about like seeing that you know Mm -hmm. maybe that's like on the low why i haven't gone yeah
0: yeah, I love it, man. Your mind is like a prism. Whatever we talk about, whatever, whatever we're talking about shit, you're looking at it from so many different angles, I'm always amazed by it. I'm like, damn man, Ron's a smart motherfucker every time. You always get me. i <laughs> oh, fucking
1: lonely. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Difficult. It's difficult to like uh it's difficult, man, because it's like I don't You're know. Like, Damn, it's
0: hard being so smart, motherfucker.
1: Not that it's just like it's difficult having a. Um, it's difficult, maybe you know, seeing things from a, a different perspective, and also like I feel one of the things that culturally we suffer from is um, people aren't encouraged to explore how or why they see things, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that makes it difficult to kind of have conversations or like meaningful interactions with people about those things. It's like, yo, the world that we're living in isn't encouraging people to think about like how they really feel about these things that they're engaging in on a day-to-day basis. And like, you know, it's very difficult, man, when you're just trying to make ends meet to really kind of think about these things in any meaningful type of way. So like that's, you know, that's that's like
0: the trap, right? Mainstream reality is set up to be one dimensional. And then the minute you start to add other dimensions to that, it doesn't fit anymore. And then you either have to go back and simplify it to fit back in, or you have to kind of try to find your own path outside of that.
1: Facts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, that's one of the things that you know, you've been kind of dancing with your whole career with, you know, being that you've done a lot of comic work, and you kind of dipped in and out of that mainstream, you've, you've, you've dipped into it and done some projects, and then you dip out and you do your own stuff that, you know, is much more heady, and then you try to bring that heady stuff into the, into the, you know, the Marvel of the DC Universe, and it just fucking falls, you know, you just can't, they, they're they not interested in carrying those, uh those thoughts to their viewers, you know, they think that people aren't going to be interested in that or it's not on brand
1: well, so for them. I, I think ultimately, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is conceited, but like I feel like I figured out superhero comics. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, superhero comics, I think the best way to understand superhero comics politically is that they're made to sell more superhero comics. Of course. And like um, there is no sort of political motive beside that. I mean, they're reproducing certain... Um, aesthetics that definitely have a political function, but i don 't think they 're reproducing those aesthetics in the in the sense like in the same way that say a superhero comic may reproduce like a fascist aesthetic it's it, it, it could reproduce an aesthetic that 's like a black power aesthetic it 's not but the purpose of the the aesthetic and how superhero comics use the aesthetic ultimately is always a, a capitalist function. Like, it's to right. same more comics. Like, and that's, you know, we have, and everyone's working in this, you know, like everyone's working in this trying to eat, right? Like trying to survive how this shit works because like we all got like, to, like, none of us except for maybe you are subsistence farmers, right? So we're all trying <laughs> I'm to- Definitely not at, not, not at that level, maybe someday. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like trying to make something that we can trade on so yeah. that we can live, right? Yeah. But, for some of us, I mean, and I sometimes feel like myself included, the things that I'm making as commodities sometimes they're also like in a weird sort of way, making my ability to trade on them difficult <laughs>
0: that's that's the interesting point, right like like do you ever sit there and go like damn man if i if I had a different point of view?" I would be much more successful with my work but I have no oh. just I have no desire cuz <laughs> existing within that paradigm I would rather die than do that but it's like that yeah. catch 22 you know but it's really interesting too cuz it's like I don't think that I I think that if 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 Marvel or DC or whoever gave you the reins to say Blade or Cloak and Dagger or some of the projects that you were interested in kind of bringing a fresh perspective to I think that they would sell just as many comics. I think it has much more to do with the people in charge of it being like uh, being comfortable with the way they're making the money. And it and it like it justifying, like the products justifying the way they're making the money and then never have any kind of ideas in their products that would contradict the system from the from the bottom and the top up and down. Right. Yeah
1: yeah I mean, but like think about that. Think about the world where I was given this opportunity, and like my radical ideas were successful. Think about how fucked up a conundrum that would be for me. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that yeah. can you imagine if can you imagine if someone gave me the reins to do something that I think was truly transgressive with comics yeah and then like it made just like a ton of money for Time Warner or DC or like Disney, you know? Like right. I would have I would be like, huh, well huh. Right. It's like <laughs> right. weird, right? That's like LeBron
0: James, right? Like he's he's getting paid. He's he's becoming a mogul. He's doing this stuff. But at the same time, the people making money off him are still making
1: way more money. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what does that mean, right? Like structurally, what does that mean? Like you haven't really done anything in regard to structural change i think ultimately with my work <clears throat> what i would like for it to do is you know i guess if given the opportunity to um work within these structures that i ultimately think are harmful it would be like can i make a sort of like um economic triage right like right. ideological triage um successful so meaning if that comic could sell you know like uh for comics it would be good if it just sold in the thousands right, right, right. <laughs> if I could get it to like really cake up like really sell 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 like somehow you know um slide under the radar and and do a little bit of uh healing, you know what I mean because like honestly, I don't think you can foment change like i don't i i'm I'm creating work that is ultimately asking the idea if, you know, there can if change can even be made with the art. You know what I mean? And like my, you know, do no harm being like the ultimate, being like the sort of taking that. Uh, what do they call it? What's the name of it? I don't know. The doctor's shit. You know what I mean? They call it uh
0: Oh, the Hippocratic Oath or whatever. Yeah,
1: Hippocratic Oath, right? Like as an artist. Like just try my best not to reproduce sort of uh the aesthetics of some sort of harmful ideology with right, my work. Right. I mean like do that first, right? Yeah. Eat off of that first, right? Like do that and like hopefully try to eat and not die. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it it's it really getting to the core of the question of like, um, can I create change? It gets back to what we talked about at the top of the of the conversation is like can um sort of ideology, you know, like believing in the material uh ability of like ideas to change the material or vice versa, you know what I mean? Like which is possible. Yeah. Make-
0: yeah, would it be worth it? Like could you do something that would create more good than the inherent negative effect of just doing it through that outlet?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So but so now you have uh your your prince of cats book that everybody should check out it has been uh re-released by Image and Image put out black history in its own words as well.
1: Yep, 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 yeah. So oh.
0: so uh how do you feel how has your experience been working with Image cuz that's a bit of a different model it's uh really artist owned and mm-hmm. and you kind of retain all the rights and and they don't really take a slice of the of the of the money
1: that you make, right? Yeah, I mean they take a the slice just to keep the keep the um lights on, you know what I mean? Right. It's it's really minimal. Or I should
0: say like they don't take the um, like if it gets made into a movie or something like that, they're not trying to grab onto that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not um they're not taking my um any like my I they, they have no ownership of the IP. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man, I like it. You know, it, it's it's the best arrangement I've had in comics. Yeah. I put it- like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I feel like it'll be dope as long as I'm I'm on the good side. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So like that's that's where I'm at. I'm just trying to get the work out so that I stay on the good side. Like I promised some work that I haven't delivered on yet. So like I'm spending, you know, this spring really grinding on that and like I need to get this newspaper out so that I can like really focus on just that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the
0: newspaper is the main project you're working on right now. I mean obviously you're juggling other stuff, but that's kind of the thing you're focused on.
1: Yeah, I got I got about another week before that's completely done. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm I'm rounding up that right now. I'm finishing that up right now.
0: And talk a little bit about that. That's a product that's a project that you recently successfully kick
1: started. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Did a little Kickstarter. Um uh, it's a newspaper, it's just like a critical newspaper, man. Like it's, um, it's, uh, I had this idea where I wanted to make a newspaper or a comics, um, periodical that h- had comics in it, but also sort of set some groundwork for, uh, critical dialogue around the aesthetics of, you know, pop culture and comics. Mm-hmm. So the first one, uh, I wanted to acknowledge my particular lens and my particular background. Political stance, you know. So, like, say if this becomes a newspaper, you know, twenty or thirty in, be like, yo. So, what's behind this? You know, like, okay, go to no- issue number zero. Right. You be like, okay, this motherfucker is like a, you know, is a black man. Like, that's his lens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the origin story. Anti-establishment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you can see all of, you know, critically how I'm looking at everything. Like, so. You know, from here on out, I'm not going to always point back and be like, okay, well, here, you know, be very deliberate about like, well, here's why I think this. You right, know? Like, right,
0: right. You're I'm, like, yo, do your homework. I set it up. I gave you right. the context.
1: This is where I'm coming from. Like, and this is essentially my manifesto. Like, this is why I'm looking at the work in this way. And I'm setting the groundwork. You know, like, I might have a hard reset again, but like, this is kind of like letting, you know, letting the audience know uh. Where, what we're planning to do like are you if you're in on this ride like you got you got it now you know like yeah if not, yeah
0: you know so that's cool so you're planning on doing more then yep 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 that's the plan you know um and you think it may be like a quarterly joint or yearly or what's the what a, are you thinking
1: yearly man like who knows if i you know if i sell prince of cats the movie like maybe it'll be a quarterly <laughs> yeah <laughs> has anybody talked to you about that Yo, oh, man, to be continued, man. All right. I like that. Yeah. No, I always, as
0: soon as I saw it, I was like, damn, yo, this would be so dope to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's yeah,
1: man, excellent. we're working on
0: it. That's yeah. excellent. Now, if you did, if you had your choice, and maybe, maybe this is the project, but like if there weren't any other considerations, like what would be the dopest project? What would be your absolute dream project to work on?
1: Wow, man. When you said that, I got, okay, so I have, of all the projects that I could do, so this will be, I'm going to give you a couple, right? Okay. The dream project that I have no no way of doing, I have one that I'm actually making back channels of really trying to make happen mm-hmm. that I'm not going to talk about, because like me just talking about it could fuck it yeah, up. Yeah, you don't right? jinx it.
0: Don't jinx <laughs> it. I'm, super, I'm superstitious, man. I don't like to do that this, either. This
1: isn't even jinxing it. It's like, okay, well, I'm creeping around this property. And like if it gets out that I'm creeping around this property, like it might become less possible, right, for
0: me. yeah, no doubt,
1: um, but like uh one that's just so far left that I feel like I could never do because of just like how it works, like I have no, none of the connections or nothing would be like I have an idea on how to do a Zatoichi video game that mm-hmm. would be fucking lit be mm. like just crazy, um on my own front, like, if I had the opportunity. I would just like to do Slave Punk as, like, an animated film. You know uh-huh, what I mean? Uh-huh. I would love to do Grat in as, like, a Final Fantasy Tactics-style video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what wow, I mean? Wow, like, that would I mean, be really cool. Of, you know what I mean? Like, I would love to do... You know, there's a bunch of stuff that I would do, man. Like, um, you know, like, it's... I never... You know, I never was really a big Kanye stan, but, like, looking at how Kanye expresses how he feels about the work that he wants to do... Yeah. Like, I took yeah, I totally fucking understand it, you know what I mean, like, of course, you know, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about the world at a certain scale, like aesthetics, you're thinking about, like, say, cradle-to-cradle technology, like, how we could make the earth, like, a more equitable place for, like, all of us, and you know, and you're thinking about media on a grand scale, you're thinking about, like, clothing, like, how clothing could be more equitable, how clothing could, you know, like, fam, you got, like, a ton of projects you want to do, man, like, I got a ton of projects I want to do. Yeah, You know, like, my creativity knows no real, like, bounds in regard to medium. Like, I I, I love comics. I think the reason why comics has such a draw for me is because, like, literally more than cinema, more than anything else, it's like you just get an opportunity to think, look, motherfucker, you get to play with, like, movies. You kind of get to edit time, right? Yeah. Comics is like, yeah, no, time isn't even like a, a it's something that you have to adhere to. You get to pretend like what how you would fuck with time. Yeah, it's the closest <laughs> to
0: being a god that you could imagine. I mean, just look at the
1: Akira books. I mean, it's just like, yeah. boom, he's god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gets to do the production design, fashion, yeah, world building. You know, oh, how am I gonna fuck with time? Yeah, space? It all just like,
0: at your desk alone is all you need. Right? Is the, all you need is right. the time to do it. That's it. Right.
1: You know. <laughs> Exactly and, and it's some really... paper
0: and some ink, it's genius
1: yeah 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 yeah, 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 it's really indulgent, you know what I mean yeah, but but... At, but in making it though it's like it starts out as some sort of a you know <laughs> like the most the most indulgent sort of libertarian <laughs> thing right, but in in giving and like engaging with an audience, it becomes like super uh egalitarian, you know what I mean, like it becomes like yo. The thing you could totally steal comics, you know, like the ideas are so viral, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean, like, yeah. like uh, and as a reproductive art form. Right. It It's like it's super, you know, it's as a reproductive art form. It's like it's super egalitarian because it's like the um, while I have made the original artwork and I have it here, like that is not ultimately what the art is. Like, the art is that reproduction that is, like, the same for anyone who gets it, and by design, cheaply reproducible. Right, <laughs> you right. Know what I mean? like, and now that we have, like, um, the internet, it's like, yo, it could go anywhere, man. Like, you could totally pirate your own shit. It could go all over the fucking planet. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, yeah that's kind of how I feel about it. a little
0: rant yeah no i would love to do a i think it'd be so much fun to do like a virtual reality environment that to me would be a super fun fucking project like thinking about you know getting to do the world for adventure time and stuff to me the next level of that would be like designing <laughs> a world that we could walk into would be like so fucking cool so that i hope that that's something that i'm able to make manifest someday
1: Man, I totally could see you doing that. Man.
0: <laughs> that would be so dope. I would lose my mind. It would almost be too much.
1: <laughs> I feel like you I mean, I feel like you could already kinda like there there man, there are people who want you to do that. <laughs>
0: I yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just starting to start talking about it just to make it manifest. Something uh, that happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes that happens. It's like I started talking about how I smoke weed all the time and then Raw's hitting me up and then I'm doing trays for them. And then all that, you just start talking and sometimes shit manifests. So people hit me up to do games, but never with a budget and not VR. But, uh, but I think it's, uh, I think it's the game games are definitely in the future. And, uh, you know my future and obviously in everybody's future but in my if in <laughs> like right? <laughs> and uh yeah the possibilities of virtual reality are are pretty that that seems pretty
1: exciting to me yeah yeah i could yeah i, I definitely see i definitely see that uh in your in your work you know what yeah, i mean like yeah and maybe even games not not in the strictest sense but like You know, um, environments, like, you know, playful environments, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I think, like, to me, my dream, my ultimate, like, fantasy wild-scale dream project would be, like... Just literally creating like a super weird world that you just went in and did stuff in, you know like it wasn't necessarily a game, it was like a more of the, one of those open world things, but just the ghost trip version, the madness of the ghost version of this weird right. world, like what we do with ghost Scouts, but then like in my imagination, so it'd be like even
2: yeah. way crazier,
1: so that would be fucking that would be real dope, yeah, man, No, I see it, I see it like yeah. i i mean I don't know that's totally a I feel like a realizable uh <laughs> a realizable thing that could happen yeah. and probably will happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who's out there? Make it happen.
0: The podcast right. gods. We pray to the podcast <laughs> gods to connect with the right people. Right. <laughs> Make all these dreams come true.
1: Man, you know, from your what they say, from your lips to God's ears. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
0: Yo, so one of the things that I like to ask people on this podcast um, is... What is the spookiest thing that ever happened to you? Like, do you have any super spooky, like supernatural, extraterrestrial, anything like that? Like, what's the spookiest shit that you've ever encountered in your life so far? Yeah, I'm
1: sorry to like, I'm sorry to spoil this for you. I definitely have it, but I don't even talk about it to people who not in like the inner, inner circle.
0: Oh, it's it's so exclusive.
1: (laughs) It's It's the type of thing where you would think a motherfucker is crazy. Yes. Oh, it's so juicy. It's too juicy to even share. I mean it's like yeah it's like I might it maybe you know like it it has it's so crazy it's made me question the boundaries of sanity.
0: Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just even that answer is a juicy answer. That's
1: great, man. You know Like it's real, man. Like we take we take sanity for granted. You know what I mean? Oh, no
0: doubt. No, I'm 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 always like I always try to kind of exist right on the edge. Like I spend most (laughs) of my time just. That's why I like to live in the woods, honestly, because I feel like we were talking about. I was talking about this with Marley on the last podcast. I think when you live in nature, you are right on that edge of like the human, like concepts of sanity, and then like the natural world the infinite the abyss the everything is just right on the other side just starts right at your skin and it's everything around you and uh, that's one of the reasons i love it so much is because you know i feel like it's very limiting to live within the realm of that like mainstream concept of of sanity and existence and and all the things that we just really accept everything that the that, that the bright lights of mainstream reality want to convince us that that is the whole picture it's like that's just the that's just the thinnest layer of veneer on top of the (laughs) on top of the limitless abyss of of possibility of truly infinite possibility that's right there so i always uh that's truly why i like being in the woods all the time much more much more um uh like engaging to me than being in the man-made world for some reason always has been ever since i was a kid interesting and you haven't been out, and you like like what is your relationship to the natural world? Because you've been in the city really all your life, right?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, for the most part, man. Like, I can't, I can't front. You know what I mean? Like, um, my relationship to the natural world was like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, um, talking about like extinction level events and shit. You yes. know what I mean? Like, what's like, what's gonna happen? You know, like. Oh, you know, like, oh, woe is me. Like, mankind is destroying a planet, this, that, and a third. And I'm like, yeah, no, I dig that. You know what I mean? Like I dig Mankind is definitely doing some work right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um I was I was like, I was kinda like, uh, nah, ultimately, um we're we're destroying the planet for us yeah yeah our world yeah that's right. what
0: we're destroying yeah, No, there was a time where like the world was mostly covered with like with like 30 foot tall mushrooms after one right. of the extinction level events <laughs> like the world is gonna be all right like this rock is gonna be all right we're okay. we're, not, we're not so much
1: <laughs> right 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 and like that's and that's kind of how i think about it and like i think about you know so this environment is my natural world right yeah. and it's unfortunate because like um what that means is, is like, you know, we we're really doing a we're doing a number on it. It's like it's a natural experiment. Like we're looking at one of nature, like nature exploring a, a pathway, right? Yes, yes. And ultimately, it might, you know, it, it might decide like this was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know well ultimately everything is a bad idea. yeah I, don't, right? I
0: mean i think it's at that point you're so much far beyond good and evil right i mean i, I have a tendency to think that that doesn't really exist outside of the human mind like we're saying right. i mean i don't think that in the natural world good or bad comes into
1: play at all yeah yeah so like um yeah it's just like it's just like things violently uh destroying and eating each other <laughs> right? Yeah. right yeah so like um Uh, I mean that's kind of how I see it, and like uh, I'm not really, um, you know, like when I go out and I and I go onto like you know sort of the you know the the capital and natural world, like and I see what's going on there. It's like yo, I see it as a city, man. Like I see how we've reproduced some of those elements, you know what I mean? And I see like the work that we're doing as human beings is like trying to kind of find like how to make our our portion of the natural world like more equitable. You know what I mean? And like you know, we have for better or worse. We do sometimes we do better than other times. You know what I mean? Like and yeah. um I, I actually wish I spent more time out into that out in that capital and natural world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. we'll we'll see man. Like it's it's a matter of survival. Like sometimes I feel like if I'm in that environment, it's like I'm I'm taking a, a respite from like this natural world to be in that one for a little while. You know what I mean? And yeah. like kind of see what is what it was like for maybe my ancestors, you know, to to not be at the very top of the food chain or to like, you know, be subject to these uh, environmental um, antagonisms that aren't human. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah. it's interesting too, because I think like when I watch Miyazaki movies, I feel like he's always trying to – Get people to appreciate like the forest and shit. Like that's what I get from those movies and the and the spiritual realm and all that stuff. You know that, that's that's oh, sure. that's what I always get from his movies.
1: For sure, for sure. Like he's definitely he's definitely on that. Yeah, you know. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. And then the cities are yeah. It's almost like a a, a you know big big ant colonies or something like that right it's like just yeah. these swarms of you know like and i'm I always i'm always am blown away by the fact that 80 percent of americans live in the city you know so it is it's just like this swarming ant colony just everybody doing their thing is pretty pretty incredible
1: yeah 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 you know like it you know and i think that's why it's kind of like so important for us to think about like what we you know how we treat each other and like how this, you know, like I think a problem comes from people thinking that the city exists outside of the natural world. You know what I right, mean? Like right. it's so long people. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, like you throw things away. It's like, nah, motherfucker, you don't throw things away. Like there is no way. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, city is part of the natural world. And what we're seeing is it's like motherfuckers like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to escape politics. I'm just going to go up to the top. Of a of a mountain and I'm gonna be free and it's like yeah all right, nah it's gonna come to you like yeah like, if there's one thing that it's taken us like however like fifty thousand years to figure out as a or maybe like let's say um because we definitely had it figured out there are people on the planet who already who still haven't figured out but like at some point maybe like you know maybe maybe even less than like a thousand years ago you know we we forgot you know what I mean and yeah. like not the modern postmodern era we're starting to see like okay well oh yeah well we are connected to everything that is happening on this planet and like if we ignore that we're in a we're in a hell of a lot of trouble yeah as a species yeah the planet's gonna be okay you know i mean like yeah every the half-life will end of all of those nuclear things or whatever the fuck the plastic will dissolve human humankind will not be here anymore and there will be you know very few uh pieces of evidence to how we destroyed ourselves but like the earth would be all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know until it's not
0: yeah no doubt well we'll sometime we'll have to get you up here and uh get you hiking some of these mountains up here and swimming oh, in yeah. the lakes because it is glorious hell yeah hell
1: yeah maybe are this... we yeah go ahead i was gonna say we we, we you know yeah, we had to do that. I get some fresh air. Yeah, we've
0: been talking about this for seven years now. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you up here one of these days.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah, man. No, I, you would love it. It's dope, man. We have a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, to me, the thing about the woods is like is like it's just mentally calming, you know, and, and it just puts you really in a different headspace and then – and then when you get out and you're really doing hiking the mountains and all that stuff I don't know there's just just spiritual exhilaration that you get from just participating in the environment and uh and uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe exactly what it is, but there's something special about it that is uh, that, that you know, actually, it's, it's funny because a lot of people that come to Ghost Scout training camp, they've never really been in the forest a lot. And, you know, they, uh, you know, they haven't been camping and stuff like that before. And then they come here and I mean, everybody just I don't think you can go through the process without feeling it. You know, I don't think you can climb a mountain for hours and hours and you're just on this thing and, and you get up to the top without it going down into your DNA and feeling those oh. memories of doing all this shit at some point. And you just get up there and it's just like, you look out and up here you look out and it's just like the Lord of the Rings. All you can see is woods for as far as the eye can <laughs> see. And you just get up there and you go, Holy shit. Like I don't even think about the world this
1: way, but this is the way the world is. Yeah. I mean, fam, like I had a little bit of that when I was, um, you know, uh I did this little residency with Saul up in uh Banff in Canada.
2: Uh-huh. And I
1: had I had that vibe a little bit, you know what I mean? Like I I walked up a mountain to try to get over, you know, like a, a rough breakup that I had. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And like yeah, I just got caught up in in nature. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It was it was glorious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean I've been there a little bit, man. Like I have seen the sunrise on Fuji and shit, man. Like, you know, I you know, I seen a little bit. Yeah
0: you've dabbled you've dabbled in
1: nature yeah
0: Yeah, i fuck with that a little bit (laughs) i think Um, you
1: can't get away from it really yeah yeah
0: yeah, no doubt no it's interesting because i really thought i wanted to live in the city but then after being there for that time of pratt i was like just realized how much of a part of me that being in the forest was and then eventually just kept going deeper and deeper back into it
1: yeah man of the woods
0: But it's interesting, man, because I really do think about that, how like there are there are city humans, there are forest humans, you're almost like a little adaptation, you know, like they have like the tree frogs and the fucking frogs in the (laughs) pond and all that. It's like, you know, there really is different adaptations and it sort of is really reflective in some of the things that you do and the choices that you make in your life and the the way you're thinking because there is such a hive mind about people and and you think in the city there's a certain buzz going on and you're feeding Mm -hmm. off that energy and you're kind of sharing a not all of it but a certain portion of your consciousness is tapping into whatever's going on around you you know i always really felt that so it's an interesting concept to think about
1: for sure for sure i mean like your your environment uh I feel like reproduces itself inside of, you know, who you are, yeah. you know what I mean? like, yeah. And you got to be very cognizant of that, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I'd rather, I'd rather um recognize that and recognize how it's happening, you know what I mean, than just kind of let it happen and not be aware of it, at least yeah. for me, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you find yourself in an environment that's maybe, you know, that you want to make sure it doesn't take over who you are too much. <laughs>
0: yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, no. Yeah. You know, I mean, I felt that like, you know, when I was living in LA, I was having a, I was having a ball out there cause I was, you know, working on a veg time and I was making the most money I ever made. And, and, you know, I was single for most of it and just chilling and, and really enjoying it. But, but yeah, definitely knew that that was not an environment that I wanted to incorporate into my life. And you actually felt that a little bit too, right? You jumped out there for a minute yeah, yeah, and you I mean, actually, me and Joe Como were just talking about chilling in my backyard. We had it set up with the outdoor movies. You you dipped in from one of those nights mm-hmm. and, uh, and and yeah, you were working for, uh, you were doing some work for Black
1: Dynamite at Titmouse, right? Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah. So- I mean, I'm just like, man, you know what it was? It's like... I don't know if you remember what it's like in the city, but like in the city, sometimes a long winter, you got the street cats. They like, they come up to your window. They try to see what it's like inside. You know what I mean? Cause it's cold outside. And then once it gets nice, the cats is gone. Be like, they need to get out again. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's kind of like, you know, that, that was my Steve's man. Like, um, also I just didn't have like, uh, you know, I'm never going to be able to be a part of something where I don't have, I don't feel like I'm having um, sort of like intellectual agency uh, for very long. You know what I mean? Like, or at least how I express mine. Like, I express mine, you know, strictly through aesthetics. But also, it's like I need to be able to express ideas through aesthetics as well. Right. And like, so, I'm never going to be able to, I guess I have to be, with Black Dynamite, there was, there was a portion of that because like, The idea behind Black Dynamite, you know, allowed for some interesting expression of ideas via aesthetic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, I'm not just gonna sit here and like, you know, do character designs or storyboards or whatever. Like, um, I appreciate the artwork. Um, I just, I think, like making stories is more something, uh, like, is more it's like I'm always going to be fighting to get back to the place where I'm making stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's-
0: yeah, yeah. And that's the same way I felt. You know, I mean, I was there on a mission. You know, I never intended to stay there. I was saving up money for this land, really. I mean, I didn't know it was it was this piece, but I went out there with the with the because I had built my little first cabin up on my buddy's land in New Hampshire after college, and I was living there for a couple of years, and then really got it in my mind that I was going to buy my own land, and then that those opportunities the Cartoon Network came, so I dipped out there and uh and did that but yeah i mean after even though adventure time was like they just let me do my thing it was like hey you're this is your world do whatever you want with it you know i you know really a a dream job in that industry especially for someone coming from an illustration background and stuff um but yeah after after you know three years of doing that I was just getting bored because it's like, I want to be sitting there doing my illustrations that are, you know, that I'm processing my life through, you know what I'm saying? Like I have to be, I have to be exploring who I am as a, as a, as a creative being on this planet, not just sitting there and, and, and drawing one thing forever, you know? So yeah. that's, uh, I think we're. I should that's what
1: happens to people on their own projects. You know what I mean? Like motherfuckers get their own projects they might feel that way you know what i mean like oh because like once once your idea becomes a commodity it's like you know and here you are you know five ten seasons in you know what i mean it's not about the idea no more you know? yeah I mean, some-
0: yeah well yeah i mean Penn never even enjoyed running adventure time i mean when you get everybody it's so funny you know i get so many kids in the in 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 just talking to people, whether it's through the workshop or just people hitting me up or, or at the, you know, at, 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 out in Denmark or here at Go Scout Training Camp. So many people come out and they're like, fresh out of school and I want to have my own show. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that that is actually one of the least creative things you can do. <laughs> you kind of just become a manager of talent right. when you have your own show. It's kind of much more fun to have a great creative position on somebody else's show. Then you actually get to work, <laughs> you know. So yeah. that's an interesting thing that uh, I wish yeah. Penn would come on and talk about it, but he's kind of shy, and I don't think it, I, he's he's declined my offer so far. But he, he would have a lot of <laughs> a lot of really interesting things to say about it. But uh, but we what we are going to get is I'm getting uh, the the one of the producers from uh, one of the really cool producers from Cartoon Network who I did my pilot with and who was one of the executive producers on Adventure Time and stuff. Um, oh. He's going to come on the pod and uh, and and give us the perspective from the
1: other side. So I feel like that would be very interesting. Yeah, man, that's interesting. You know, like, because um, I was going to say, like, <clears throat> when you think about that, like when you think about kind of all right so from the production standpoint like if you think about if if the production method makes it so that or like distances people from like the the fulfilling aspects of the work yeah then it's like I think that's a criticism of a production method
0: oh absolutely no and there's got to be a better way to do it that's the thing I mean there's no doubt that there's a better way it's just one of those things where it comes back to the same thing with the with Marvel it's like they the the higher-ups have this production model that works for like factory work and all the things that came before that sort of in the in the commercial paradigm in the in the in the industrial paradigm and then they just think, well, creativity can fit inside that too. Boom. All right. We're right. gonna we're gonna hire X amount of people to execute this much work here. Right. And then that's gonna be the blueprint for the house, and then we're gonna send that overseas, and then you know, all the people in Korea are gonna do the animating because we can right. get ten of them for the price of one of these dudes, and you know, it's, it just goes into that exact same factory model, which is hilarious because I had no idea about any of that when I went to LA. I was so naive. I thought like the <laughs> animators were all gonna be there working and like. Like, you know, it's all just done there, and I've just had no
1: clue. But see, it- man, like maybe it's better that you didn't, though. you know what I mean? Because, like, I think that that maybe is a difference between how we went into it, yeah, Cause no, like, for sure. Time, you know, by the yeah. time I went over there, like, for one, you had already been over there, and like, two, I already knew LaShawn, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, like, I had an idea, and also kind of like my interest in you were never, I don't know, were you ever really into anime like that?
0: I mean I was always into cartoons, you know, but I never ever thought like I'm going to work at Cartoon Network or anything. I never I never tried to make that happen. That was never really a, I really just was working on, you know, comics and illustration. That was like I was like if I can do
1: that, then that's my dream, you know. See like yeah, see I think from the beginning I was I was interested in animation. I was mm-hmm. also interested in um anime and like mm-hmm. one of the re- one of the ways like I discovered what japanese animation was was as a child um sort of noticing the um aesthetic differences between some animation you know mm-hmm, what i mean mm-hmm. and like then kind of being like well what is this? like who makes this and like <clears throat> man i'm talking about like junior high school or before like who makes this who makes this like what is this like some and ninja so- scroll shit oh like b by the time ninja scroll came out i already knew what japanese animation was like yeah. i already knew like You already knew um, aesthetically what was happening and who was making it,
2: right? So by the time
1: I got to college, I was kind of like, I knew that my favorite cartoons like Thundercats and G.I. Joe were animated in Japan and Korea. Oh, really? Yes,
0: I had no clue. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I used I mean, I remember the credits. Yeah. You know, like, because there was a thing for me where, like, um, you know, the T V raised me a bit, right? Yeah. So like I'd be around and I'd want to know, like, okay, how come this episode of Transformers is garbage and like that one I saw last week was fucking bananas. <laughs> Damn,
0: see so you got the analytical mind from the from, from day one.
1: <laughs> I mean, but it's like it's just some it's some like it's because like I I mean in a fucked up sort of way, it's like I'm a smart consumer in that sense. Yeah. Like I just wanna get I want to get the shit that I want to get. Yeah. Like yo, I'm watching a cartoon like and I notice from jump like they're moving funny. I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm going to go play with my toys. Like I'm yeah. not going to watch this. This episode is not good. I'll just watch the intro." Like this shit is like, you know, I I couldn't stand the corny episodes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and it's just like what it boils down to even even the bad episodes were being, you know, filmed in you're being like animated in korea and japan but maybe they weren't being boarded as much there <laughs> you know yeah yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, or they just so,
0: didn't hit the right studio because even adventure time would be animated at like two different studios right. and they'd be like oh this fucking oh we want our episode to go to the good studio you know people would be all disappointed oh this is going somewhere else right. This sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right 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 so like i don't know and then you just start to realize that okay well you know robotech is just a you know like that is that's a completely japanese show or like what is the one with like the set like the seven samurai type warriors that are like going through the city i forget the name of it but like yeah that one's just fucking japanese you know what i mean like some of them are just japanese right so like um and then it's like there's an aesthetic difference between like say the ones that my parents watched that we got reruns of that you know then like the ones that were coming out from like the 80s you know uh that we were seeing like there was a stylistic flirt like flourish that was different so anyway yeah coming up early I had already sort of started to feel that way and when you got there LaShawn got there like I had no fucking uh pretext or like I had no pre no no pretense uh about there was gonna be people sitting there like you know drawing and creating like I thought maybe they were doing that at Disney or like by the time we were in college, like Warner Brothers was done, like there was no animaniacs, or whatever. Right. Fuck around. Those were probably animated in Korea too. Mm-hmm. You, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just costs too much, man. It just yeah. cost too much. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: interesting. Word, man. Well, we got an hour and a half in the books already, so yeah. uh,
1: I think we're pretty good. Let me keep it moving, man, because I got to get this work done. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no I'm- doubt.
0: No doubt, yeah. I gotta <laughs> run up the hill and pick up Wolfie from the bus as usual. Right. Um, so, uh, where can people find you?
1: Um, yo, know, like uh, they can get me on uh, in uh, what is it, IG? You know, Instagram, Ronald Wimberly. Um, they can hit me up on uh Twitter at r a y n a r d f a u x Renard faux. Um. Outside of that, man, like, I don't know. Just Google me, man. Like, you can find me. Use the computer. You will find him.
0: Cool, man. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the pod. This has been a uh, long overdue for sure, and we'll have to get you back again talking about projects and all sorts of dope, smart shit. Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. yep. It was a pleasure, my friend. Yeah,
0: man. All right. Well, we'll click off, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up off air. All right, man. All right. Now, that was a hearty serving of beef stew for your mouth. You're chewing that up. You're chomping it down, and it tastes delicious. You know, I know everybody's getting inspired out there by that talk. I know me and Ron had a great time uh, jumping on, catching up, and digging into the concepts and unearthing the rare minerals for you to consider. Very valuable for everybody involved um let's see uh me and ron we touched on the the juxtapose show going on at super chief i think uh that's actually wrapping up right now uh maybe even tonight uh it's friday right now i think i i, I they just sent me the flyer for the closing show it might be tonight so uh maybe only the patreon people will hear about this with that early access um, but uh, but we both have work up in that show You can check that out um, One thing we forgot to talk about is Actually, I've never really done much gallery stuff But uh, I, I jumped into the Super Chief show But actually, coming out of school, me and Ron did a really cool split show. Uh, Me and him just just made a bunch of work and put it up um, at this little gallery in New York City. I can't think of the name of it, but we had a real fun time and had a real good showing. And I sold, uh, I think, a lot of the pieces in it. And uh, that was super duper fun. So another fun memory of our friendship Together, it's all you need. Those creative friends in your life, you need those people that are that are just actively pursuing their goals to keep you fired up. You know, I mean, it doesn't come. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on the on the spectrum of being self motivated. I'm very high motor in that way, Um, but still, it always helps to be to have friends that are also just high motor, just going after it, just not stopping. I mean, you hear Ron talk about even having to pull back a little bit. That's kind of the. I think we both run on that high motor level where it's not so much uh are we (laughs) do we have ideas and 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 are we pursuing them it's like we kind of have to pull back on the throttle a little bit and make sure that we are uh, keeping the balance with the other elements in our life and not just pursuing those work goals so there's always uh different things to consider and that's why we like to get into these conversations um let's see what else so check out the super chief gallery show uh we both got dope work up in there um, and, uh, let's see next week on the podcast, we have another great guest, my man, Scott C. So if anybody is, uh, is familiar with his work, you're in for a real treat. He's a super nice guy. I love his work, uh, constantly, uh, coming out with just the greatest concepts. Um, um, you uh you might know him from the great showdowns i think it's called um where he's <laughs> he does these cute little watercolor illustrations of all some of the greatest showdowns in 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 in, in, in uh in in uh history uh, from terminator to aliens to uh just everything you can think of game of thrones fucking breaking bad he has all these just re- he's he's truly a truly a a genius in uh, creating his you know in in, in taking um, uh, popular culture and putting it through his filter and fully owning it and just uh, you know making it fun for everybody. his work is uh, something you can your kids can get excited about uh, he has he has children 's books out he 's got comics out he 's a very prolific illustrator. Um, he's been to he's been a visiting artist at Ghost Scout training camp before, and uh we're very eager to get him back. Um so uh it will be very fun to catch up with him on the podcast. Um and uh and that's so we got that queued up for next week. So just continuing with these heavy hitters. This is an all-star lineup. Are you kidding me? What podcast do you know that goes from Ron Wimberly to Scott C and who do we even know that's coming next? <coughs> <coughs> Woo! Holy shit! I think we're actually due for a Q and A episode. We haven't had one of those in a long time. We went through that blitz of episodes, just getting homie after homie on, and I know that's been fun for everybody. One of my favorite things is to see who likes which episode the most. You know, everybody will kind of message me after a podcast, "Oh, that was my favorite one." "Oh, that was my favorite one." "Oh, that was my favorite one." And everybody has different favorites, so it's so much fun. Some people like that throwback debaucherous high school college drug talk you know with the homies and then some people love these in-depth creative conversations and and talking with the with my friends who have been working in the industry for a long time some people love the go scout talks and and all that go scout training camp stuff so i feel like we have a we have a great pool to pull from on this podcast and i'm very thankful for that <sighs> I'm very thankful for that I have this really truly like almost unlimited pool of of really creative friends out there in the world that i've been so blessed um, to uh, to be connected to all these people and 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 obviously one of the things that I love to do in my life is is kind of create these creative communities whether it 's through the workshop whether it 's through the podcast whether it 's through the ghost Scouts and all this stuff um, I think I really have always valued that. And uh, and wanted to keep a a real big circle of creative friends around me that I can feed off of and that I can really give back to that that whole cycle of inspiration. Um, let's see uh, the last bit of news here. Damn, I'm all stuffed up. Is that uh, Mocha is coming up? I think next weekend. And uh, actually, I me and Ron didn't talk about it, but. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least rolling through there. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Scott C is rolling through there. Uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to ask him about it. Um, and then, uh, but I know for a fact. That there will be two Ghost Scouts uh, tabling at Mocha, and their names are Dusty Lupus and Psych You know what I'm saying? Both been on this podcast. So uh, if you want to check out uh, my man Alexander Lansang and my man Alfonso De Anda, both two of my favorite artists, um, go check out their table. Um, give them a shout. Uh, give them your name. Go check in with them and have them write down your name, and we'll shout you out on the podcast just for going to check out out there shit. You know what I'm saying? So uh go over there, say what up and uh get your shout out on the podcast. Um you know be fun actually is to set up a little like voice message service where people could actually call into the podcast and ask questions that way and you would actually get on the podcast with your questions and I would answer them. That would be really fun. So maybe we'll think about doing that in 7 or 8 months. You know what I'm saying? Um, so let's jump into these uh, these fucking beef stew shout outs before we go on for another half of an hour like you know I can do. Uh, don't let me get going. Especially if I'm high, uh, I will just really talk forever on this podcast and turn an hour and a half podcast into a two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> Actually, we haven't hit that mark yet, but we were close with Marley's episode. Two hours and 17 minutes. Pretty long so of course shout out to all the uh one dollar contributors you know what i'm saying sipping on those green breakfast smoothies getting all that nutrients in your body to pursue your goals to have a clear vision of exactly who you want to be and what you want to do with your life big shout out to the one dollar contributors every dollar is appreciated um if you're out there think about peeling off a dollar to support the episodes and hey as a thank you, you're going to get every podcast two days early. You know, advanced access and also advanced access to more behind-the-scenes shit, as I'm telling you right now. Um, and then, uh, of course, the $2 level. You peel off $2 per episode, you're going to get yourself a dripping, juicy, hearty beef stew. Shout-out by name on this podcast. Um, and uh, and then, of course, we but we pop it off. With the people that have gone in, looked at that $2 per episode uh, level and said, you know what? This podcast is worth even more to me than that. And I'm going to type in my own amount. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I know that my my girl Sarah Ball did exactly that because she is supporting at that $5 per episode level. And I could not be more grateful. Uh, Sarah is an alumni of the 12-week online group workshop. Um, which uh, is very fun and exciting. So thank you to Sarah Ball. Get yourself some beef stew, because it's juicy. You know what I like to do is throw that that sriracha in that beef stew, that Tabasco in that beef stew, whatever you got, throw in that heavy, hot sauce. Even if you've just got the the chili powder or the cayenne powder, you know you gotta spice up that beef stew. Um get fresh with it. Throw in some cook in some fresh peppers, you know? Um Another $5 per podcast listener. Get yourself some beef stew. Yavon Santiago. Much appreciated for that level of contribution. Seriously beefing it up. Um, We got another shout out going to Zeta. Dropping $3 per episode. Thank you for the above and beyond contributors you are the dopest you know what i'm saying much appreciated uh hot tubs of beef stew for you you know what i'm saying just just relax just get in that hot tub just exfoliate and marinate in that hot tub of beef stew i am i will join you there in the hereafter in the in the eternal in the eternal rivers, in the eternal flowing waters of beef stew paradise, in the infinite oceans of beef stew that have yet to be explored, uh, in the other alternate beef stew dimensions. I will join you there when our time on earth is up, when our time on this hollow flat earth. What if hollow earth is filled with beef stew? Oh my fucking God. Sign me up. Um, Uh, We got a shout-out from, uh, again, from the the newbies coming in from the top of the pod. We got Alec Wright. You really get two shout-outs when you sign up for the first time, which is very exclusive. Uh, beef stew for you. I got some more coming to Uncle Terry. You're being served up with seconds. When you when you subscribe to this podcast for the first time, you, you not only get a first helping, you know what I'm saying, in the beginning of the podcast, but we know that throughout the podcast, you finish that bowl of beef stew. We come in giving out seconds. We serve you up with seconds at the when the when when it's done, just to make sure you are so full of beef stew that you you are feeling very full and motivated to take a nap and then get right back to all your creative pursuits with a newfound energy from all the protein. And you know we come with that vegan beef stew, too. So don't trip. Don't worry about it. We got you covered vegans. We got that seitan in the beef stew. Um, and uh, straight out the 12-week online group workshop, round three. Currently, we got Alejandro Fuentes. Much appreciated, Los Focos. Check out his shit. He is just destroying the 12 week online group workshop. You know, if you don't follow him, check him out every week. He is dropping the heat. Uh, just cranking out the, just destroying these projects i 'm um, not saying that it 's easy I know he 's put in work um, i know he's he, he's he 's making it happen for himself because he 's a family man as well um, and I know he 's sacrificing that time, but he is just killing it and doing very exciting work so check it out on his social media. Uh, we got another bowl of beef stew going to Steve Winfield Meyer beef stew milkshake for you. Uh, big shout out another member of the current 12 week online group workshop, Johnny Glines. Much appreciated, my friend. A big shout-out going to Gerard Jones. Uh, Join us, join us, join us for the hot beef stew. Uh, another bowl going out to Michael Broncano. I know you love that beef stew because you're here again. Uh, big bowl of beef stew going out to Wastezoid. All caps. Uh, friend of the podcast has an episode on the podcast. Is one of your favorite stop motion animators whether you know it or not. We could only be talking about Anthony Scott. Check him out. Uh, the homie from Adventure Time. You know it's Andy Ristino. Killing the comics. Check out his Patreon. Oh, we got the phone ringing during these shout outs. Give me a break. Um, we got uh, Go Scout. Computer person, A.K.A. Lermy. uh much appreciated. We'll be seeing you before too long. Uh big shout out going to Shambay, right? Much appreciated. Get to get that beef stew. Uh we're gonna be giving out some experimental beef stew protein bars. That's what we're going to be giving out right here. We're going to be testing them out at another resident of the Northeast Kingdom, Otto Heaney Illustration. Tell us how those beef stew protein bars are doing for you. Eat them up. You know you want it. You know you need it. You know you love to eat beef stew every day. I would love to eat beef stew every day, honestly. Uh, Big shout out going to Michael Garcia. Much respect and beef stew in your face. Uh, Ladle it. Just open your mouth. I'm just ladling it in. You know what I'm saying? Beef stew, fountains, fountains of beef stew, um, you know, in ground pools. In ground pools with double decker diving boards of beef stew. And who is on the third level diving board? None other than my man from New Zealand, Ghost Scout Sports Magic, aka Daniel Foothead. Check him out. Incredible animator, Dr. D. Foothead. You want to see what he's up to because it's fucking dope. Uh, Big shout out to another alumni of the 12-week online group workshop, Alexi Giroux. Another dope artist. Check him out. Uh, oh, one of my homies from Adventure Time again, we've got Jesse Moynihan, of course, very popular episode of this very podcast with him. Uh-oh, here comes the reigning, defending, Go Scout training camp camp champion, John Mansfield, a.k.a. Beardless. Very impressive roster that we have here just of contributors for this podcast and many guests. You know what I'm saying? I think about a third of these people have episodes on the podcast. Uh, Oh, a future guest of this podcast for sure. Acclaimed director of the Little Prince and Kung Fu Panda, Mark Osborne. He will be on this podcast. We have discussed it and agreed upon that fact. Uh, Big big shout-out to Bark the Dog. Bark, bark, bark. B-A-R-C. My man, Andrew Lansing, representing. If you're not following his Instagram, you got to get on it. Bark the Dog. He's got these visual ad campaigns going on. He's making these products. He's creating this world. You need to get involved in this shit. You know what I'm saying? This guy is a branding and marketing genius. Um, uh, shout out to Arguably Art, much appreciated for your donation. Uh, over in Denmark, we've got Dry man Heart with that experimental beef stew enema seance. In the making. And last but definitely not least, we've got Jesse Kakadonnie. And that, those are the shout outs for today for this podcast. Big shouts to everybody who has been contributing to this podcast, I very much appreciate it. As always, um, you know, use this podcast to uh, mark time, to set your goals, you know what I'm saying? You got a week ahead of you here to uh, think about the ways that you can streamline your lifestyle, set those routines and habits towards productive goals, you know what I'm saying? Really thinking about, really trying to envision where you want to be, who you want to be, what you want to be doing there, who you want to be doing it with, all that shit. Take some time to figure it out because it's going to make the path to get there a lot shorter and get that dry erase board, get that weekly planner. Do the things that will give you all the advantages in achieving your goals. It's a daily routine. You know what I'm saying? It's it's something you wake up and think about and you get on every day. You try to have a productive day today, a positive day today so that you will have... And you will set yourself up for another positive, productive day tomorrow. you know just 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 thinking about how you can fill your life with the things that interest you the most and that you 're most passionate about that mean the most to you because that 's going to make you powerful that 's going to give you the energy that it actually takes to pursue those goals um, with a singular vision with no plan B to really go after it. Because uh, that is the name of the game. You know, as I always say, I'm a total fuck-up. I could barely get through high school. Um, really wouldn't have gotten through it without the without the resource room, without all that shit. uh we got to wrap this up. We're getting the second call in a row. You know it's going to be important. So uh, set those goals. And uh, while you're out there pursuing your own goals, make sure that you are always uh, trying to inspire the people that are around you, you know, don't exist in a vacuum. Go out there and try to enhance your community. Try to get um, the people around you uh, thinking in the, along those same lines. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to come from the same place as you. They don't have to sound like you. They don't have to believe the same things as you. They're still human beings that are trying to pursue their goals on this planet Earth. You know what I'm saying? Whether they know what they are or not, um, they're still trying to just live their life. So uh, we all have more in common than we have in conflict. So when you're going through doing your thing, really try to inspire other people to do the same thing because the more happy, productive people we have in this world... The better it's gonna be for everybody involved. You know, when you're happy, when you're living your dream, you don't want to get involved in drama. You don't want to get caught up in in the political bullshit. You don't get sucked into that. All that fucking all that NASA fucking world government reptile alien shapeshifter brainwashing, right? You don't want to fall victim to that. So. Uh, really try to try to create your own vision of your life and really try to inspire other people to do the same because we're all going to benefit from that. All right, well, I got to sign off. But until next week, keep it positive, keep it productive, and uh, keep it peaceful. Peace out.